Yo, what up, Highline fam? Thanks for hanging out with us. I'm here with Jack and Fire Media Titan, Phil Meltzer. Phil, how you doing tonight, man? I'm doing well. How about you guys? I'm hanging in there, man. Went, went two for five tonight on the game, so I only did a Flyers lose, but I lost too, so that's that's not fun. Yeah, status quo for the Flyers. What can I say? I think some people feel a little bit better. You know, uh, after we ended the 13-game losing streak, people got upset immediately that we won two in a row because we were going to mess up our draft choice. So I'm sure there's some part of the Flyers fan base that's feeling happy about this. Yeah, well, the, the, you know what? The way, the way that the draft lottery is, and the fly, you know, even if you're the worst team in the league, the odds are still against you picking first. So, you know, there's too much, there's too much season left to just outright pack it in because there are guys that are playing. You know, you'd like to see some young players develop. You'd like to see guys you're counting on show they're healthy, or at least, or guys who might need surgery get that taken care of sooner. You know, there, there's still there's still things to accomplish ahead of trying to ahead of losing hockey games to, to get a better draft pick. So, I mean, the Flyers are going to be sellers of the deadline. That's that's clear, right? And, you know, sometimes I, I think what you can learn from that, that awful 2006-07 season was they actually started their, their rebuild or retool or whatever you want to call it before that season ended, right? Um, the, the Peter Forsberg trade. Uh, they brought in Braden Coburn in a, in a trade who, who stepped right into the lineup. Uh, Marty Buron came in in goal. And then in the offseason, with the cap space they had, they're able to get in Hartnell, Tiemann, and Briere. Then all of a sudden, the next year, they're in a conference final. That's really that's really hard to do now, you know, um, to turn around a team that quickly. But I'm just saying that, you know, you can you can start you can start the process ahead of the offseason. Um they should have cap space to work with, and you have to use it intelligently. You know, I, I think that they're, I think they're trying to develop some kind of a list of what they can do, and you know, for the rest of the season. But I mean, you know, I mean, listen, they, there's, you couldn't possibly pay to play at a pace, even, you know, even if you start winning some games where you could get back into this playoff race. That, that's that's essentially over and done with. So, you know, you want to. You want to have a little bit of clarity as to what you what your next steps are going ahead. I mean, I think just a quick twenty game winning streak will put us right back in the race if we could just go ahead and string yeah. that together. No, yeah, but, without uh, yeah, without without Couturier or Ellis or you know, it'll it'll be uh, it'll be a snap really. So you, you mentioned the young players; you want to see them step up. So who tonight in tonight's game did you? Any of the youth, any of the young guys, he thought made an impression tonight. I think there was a few of them that stood out, but in your mind, who did you think? Uh, I mean, tonight's tonight's not a great, really good. good <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, in some of the young guys you'd like to see step up or down in the Phantoms, right? Now, but it was nice to see Ratcliffe get to the net, get his get his first goal, you know, in, in the NHL. It went off of his shin pad or the or his pants or whatever, but you know, he got to the net, and that's the point. It was a nice play by McEwen starting all that so you know it was, it was nice to see a young player get rewarded like that uh he didn't get the traditional you know first goal celebration hopefully hopefully he gets the puck back at some point but uh you know that, that that was nice to see so i guess i guess he'd be the young guy you know who, who who kind of stepped up tonight but uh you know but i think going forward you know you see cam york come back up at some point i'd like to see him you know run with it a little bit um and 
Joel Farabee's still a little bit from returning. Hopefully he comes back healthy because he's had a couple of absences this year for injuries. I'd like to see Farabee finish up well. I'd like to see Frost come back up and play some good games with a little more consistency. So, you know, I mean, those, those are the guys you look at as to, uh, you know, who, and not, you know, not, not as much Farabee, but some of the other guys who will be playing for jobs beyond, you know, to compete for spots a year from because Farabee has a spot. But, I mean, Guys like Frost or York are, are playing for NHL jobs at some point. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned, met, uh, mentioned Frost and York. Uh, why aren't they in the NHL lineup right now? Like, uh, what, what's the thought process behind that? Well, um, I mean, the official reasoning is, is for them to play all situations with the Phantoms. I don't know how much I personally ascribe to that. I, I don't think Frost has too much more to learn in the AHL particularly. You know, in York's case, um, he he was up and he was playing his natural side. He was playing top four minutes, and I thought he was doing pretty well. Um, you know, then then he was on the third pair with, with Keith Yandel, playing his offside for the first time in his career, and the pair was struggling. Both sides of the pair were struggling. Um, you know, but I mean, I, I mean, truthfully. You know, and, and with all due respect to Keith Yandel and the career that he's had, which has been outstanding, you know, you, you don't play five all-star games, you don't set a consecutive games record unless you've had a good career. He's really struggling last year and this year, and there hasn't been a pairing with him this year where anybody's really been able to stabilize things. So I, I think, you know, with, with York maybe was get him some games down with the Phantoms and get him back on his natural side and, you know, Get get them playing. I don't know. I don't know. But I I think that you. I mean, he'll be back up again at some point. And with Frost, I think as much as much as anything else, it's about rebuilding some of his confidence. Um, I thought he had five really good games in a row right before the break. Um, and he only got one point in that span, but he was using his feet better. He was winning battles. He was showing a little bit of chemistry with uh, Mayhew and, and Wilman. And, um, you know, the only thing he wasn't doing, except in, except in the um, L.A. game, we had five shots on goal and, um, you know, almost almost scored uh, once or twice in that game and, you know, had a nice assist. But, he, you know, but you'd like to see Frost create a little more offense, you know, and that's, that's really the number one thing. It's playing with pace and creating some offense. And he did that on Friday night in his first game back with the Phantoms, I thought, against Providence. He was very good in that game. I don't think either he or York have been very good in the last two, so I don't know if that. I don't know if that has anything to do with why you know they were not brought back up and Ratcliffe was, but uh, I mean I, I think sooner than later you'd like to see those guys come back up again, um, you know, hope, hopefully sooner. Um, but uh, you know, and I mean Derek Broussard was back. He was back in the lineup tonight. It was first game back in a long time. I thought Derek kind of struggled, which you expect right after that long out of the lineup and conditioning issues. So it was a tough first game back. The biggest thing is that he felt okay. But, I mean, Broussard is a guy who can move to wing. You have you have options. You have options. You could keep Broussard in the lineup and you'll get Frost back up at some point. We, I don't know how I don't know how long their stint with Lehigh Valley is going to last. But, you know, but I personally would like to see both those guys back up here sooner than later. Yeah, it's funny that you we bring them up because – what you had said about rebuilding the team, starting the rebuild now, seeing the young players, it felt like the Flyers, at least in tonight's game, 
didn't really do that. And mainly with uh, York and Frost and uh, having a bottom pairing of Sealer and Yandles just asking for trouble. And we saw it on several occasions. And even when they weren't out there together, they were, they were just get, making Carter Hart's life a living hell, as usual, you know. But, you know, and it's like I, I know they haven't been playing up to snuff for the last couple of games, but I just want to see everybody young at this point. Maybe Frost playing higher in the lineup, more talented players instead of just, you know, because I just that just fits his skill set. I don't want to wind up with another player that we end up trading or whatnot because we played him with the wrong players and then he flourishes somewhere else no, especially in a lost season like this like like yeah. just who like we know we're not making the playoffs we know and i gotta ask i'm like do they think that they can the sealer's not going anywhere but do they think that they can move somebody is that why like a yandel he has been as he's been there's there's no way i, I, don't, I mean yeah, they can move I, Gunston, but I, I don't i don't think that i'm looking at any anybody's under any illusion you know with the <laughs> You know the bottom end of the lineup guys that they're going to increase trade value um you know i i i mean honestly you know when they, when york was sent down it becomes okay well you have you have seven defensemen available so you know you, you pick your poison with Connaughton or sealer um uh you know Connaughton's not a bad skater he can shoot the puck he's not he's not a very good defender um sealer doesn't handle the puck very well but he's generally a oh it's, it's funny tonight he actually ended up with two assists his first two yeah. first two assists as a flyer um just just that kind of crazy game but i mean sealer's not a guy who, you know he want them the puck on a stick very much he's not a, he struggles on breakouts you know a lot, a lot of the things that go with moving the puck up to the forwards and, and pushing the play up ice you know but in one-on-one -on -one defense and close quarters physically I mean, he's a little better than Kanan, but again, you pick your poison because both guys have their limitations. Um, you know, I, and then, I mean, really, I don't think any of the three pairs is very good tonight. Um, you know, they, they all had their moments. I mean, Sandheim had the, had the goal, which was nice, and a couple moments here and there. But, you know, I mean, that's, uh, that, that's, part, that's part of the whole process. You know, when, when they, the Flyers put so many eggs in the basket of having, having Ryan Ellis available to the most of the season. And we saw what happened last year when Niskanen was gone, right? Not only not only did you lose the player, but what happened when Niskanen was gone is it unbalanced all the pairings because now Braun has to go up to the top pairing. On the third pairing and penalty killing, Braun is perfectly slotted. You really don't want Braun playing the hardest matchups, 20-something minutes a night, you know, I mean, Provorov's had an inconsistent year, too. But, I mean, the, the way they wanted the pairings, you know, if, if you would have had a, a healthier, reasonably healthy Ellis, then you have more balance across the pairing. So it's not just the value of the player. It's also the trickle-down effect through through the rest of the lineup. Um, that, that's been that's been a big part of the problem. Um, but, I mean, it's just, just basic execution. I mean, they're so inconsistent in some of those things you saw. You saw some of the breakdowns tonight, um, you know, just just mental breakdowns. It was the forwards. It was it was a defenseman. Uh, Carter Hart's been a real bright spot this season, but tonight was far from his best game. So it's kind of that's kind of what happened tonight um, for the season. You know, I, I I think that this team they they shoot themselves in the foot. You know, they, they have their limitations, but you see teams with modest talent find ways to compete and hang around a playoff spot, you know, whether you get in or not, 
you know, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But for the Flyers to be where they are, that they've had 10 games and 13 game winless streaks. I mean, that 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 says a lot. After, you know, they had the coaching change in there, and they got a little spark in the middle briefly. You know, but I mean, tonight tonight a good example, uh, and it was brought up in the press conference was the Flyers had a, a power play in the third period. And um, second unit is out in the like, – they're, cha- they're changing units. And somebody didn't it – was, it, was, it was Jerry Mayhew – didn't jump out on the ice at all. So instead of a five-on-four, it's a four-on-four. And every once in a while, you'll see that for a few seconds. It happened, guys, for 20 seconds. And, and the Flyers give up a give up a two-on-one shorthanded. Um, and they still didn't – and they still didn't have five guys in the ice for another five seconds after that. That just that – just, Cannot happen. That's you know, and that, that's on the player. I mean, the the bench. Because I asked, was that miscommunication from the bench as to, you know, replacing your guy? And, he, and Yo said no. The player just the player just wasn't paying attention. You know that that just that just can't happen. Just cannot happen. That kind of stuff just sums up the season for you. On top of the injuries, like it's it's sad. And then the the name I heard the most on any Flyers power play was was Cider. For Detroit, <laughs> he just—I thank God I have him in my fantasy team because he's an absolute stud. But like, other than that, it just embarrasses us. Like, it's just another fly, typical Flyers power play, and more of the same. And they just did look, dis- especially in the third period. You know, the gate—they did score to make it four to three before the end of the second. Yeah, and it took them like seven minutes or more to get their first shot on goal in the third period. It's like, come on. Like they just, they're just not interested in playing. And I will, I, at least the kids you, you figure are going to try, cause they're not just playing to win. They're playing for a spot. And so we got more of the same slop and it's just, you wonder why there's less and less seats being filled in, in the, in the arena. And, uh, no. Yeah. And, and listen, I mean, to be able to, to generate shots on goal and generate entries and whatever, I mean, there's two different ways you can do it, right? If you can't carry it in, you know, I mean, dump and chase can work if you're actually hitting the blue line with some speed. But they have they have no speed through the neutral zone. So, you know, so the puck goes in, and it's it's an easy out. You know, a, one pass, you know, and, and they're out. Um, you know, unless they turn it over. They actually, the fly, you know, actually Detroit did that a few times. They gifted a few turnovers, right? You know, and, um, but... You know, I mean, that, that, that's an ongoing issue. It, it's why the Flyers get out-possessed, out-shot, out-chanced so often. Um, you know, and really, the, I thought that the fourth line actually had the right idea tonight. They were actually getting in on the forecheck, you know, keeping things pretty simple, using their size, and, you know, and, and actually, I mean, you can look at when when they're not moving their feet, right? And for as limited as, limited as you know, like a guy like, like – Zach McEwen is, he's never not moving his feet. He's always hustling. He's always getting in. He's always battling. I mean, the, the compete just is not there on any kind of a consistent basis for too often, too often and, and too much of the team. And that's, you know, uh, that's an indictment of the group. Hey, Bill, I, I want to go back to something you said about Cam York playing on his uh, offside for the first time in his career. And also something you said you wrote about Morgan Frost last month. You talked about uh, you actually talked to Yo and asked him what he wanted to see more and whatnot of Frost. Um, so if they're playing Cam York in a position he hasn't played ever in his career, and then what you wrote about Frost was Yo said he wants to see him initiate contact more, be better in his checking, and then in the very next quote he said he wants to see him create more offense and, and push the pace more. I, I feel like 
Is this coaching staff not putting these young players in the best position to succeed? Well, what he said with Frost specifically was that he wanted to see him moving his feet, using his body better. I mean, these are all – and being better in puck battles, which are all things that Morgan himself would tell you he has to get better at, or at least consistency-wise. What he said is that at some point when those things become habit, you know, at the pro – you know, when it almost didn't do Morgan any favors – when junior hockey came so easy to him, it really did. I mean, he, he could he could slow things down. He could study the play. He could um, he could saucer a pass over a couple guys' sticks. Can't do can't really do that in the pros. And when he was when he was playing on the Sioux Greyhounds, his line, particularly his first year when he was with um, uh, Kachuk and, and with Taylor Radish, they always had the puck. You they're so they're almost never going two hundred feet. They, they had the puck all night long. So, you know, coming coming to the pro level, um, you know, there are adjustments to make, and you know, and, and Morgan, some, you know, you can you can see the games, you can see the games when he's up on his skates and has his feet moving and his head up, and you know, he's making good, and that's when he creates scoring chances on top of it. So I didn't I didn't have a problem with Yo saying that, and he he also said that. You know, listen, if we move Morgan up to the top of the lineup, he'd probably be putting up more points. But I think that some players, their confidence and their effectiveness comes from their offensive game. Some guys more than others, right? A, a guy like a guy like Scott Lawton doesn't have to produce points for him to play that same kind of game most of the time. Um, for Frost, I, I thought that, you know, that stretch where they had him up on Giroux's line, uh, you know, I thought – I thought those were his best games, and I want to, you know, at least his best offensive games. I'd like to see. I personally like to see him switch places with Lawton, get him up with some skill guys. I mean, long term guys. I think the right kind of line mates for Frost would be somebody like Farabee on one side who can carry the puck in, create a little bit, you know, uh, another heady player, and then the other side you want a big physical guy. So a guy like a, a guy like a Wade Allison who gets in on the forecheck. Plays simple, crashes the net. That, that, that's that you know that I could see a line like that having a lot of chemistry. Um, when he's was playing with uh, Mayhew and Wilman, he actually was pushing the pace. It was a fast skating line, but you're not really expecting much consistent offense out of out of those other guys, right? It's not the NHL level, you don't. And Mayhew's actually bagged a couple of goals, but I'd, I'd like to see Frost up there with, you know, with more scoring-oriented linemates. And then then I think that, uh, you know, if he plays the right way, you would see the points increase too. So that, that's what I would like to see. Yeah, I, I agree 100% with that, which is, you know, kind of what I was getting at. You know, a young kid like that, I think you should play to his strengths. Put him in a position to succeed, do what he comes naturally to him, do what he's good at, and then, you know, let the other stuff come in later. Not all players are created equal and do the exact same things the exact same way. Sometimes I feel like the Flyers just want to develop all these guys in the middle six forwards that just play the exact same game all the time. So that's why I was asking about the coaching staff and not putting them in the best position to succeed. Yeah, and, and I mean, honestly, again, I, I think playmakers, skill – you know, Frost is always going to be more playmaker than, uh, than goal scorer. I think he needs to play with guys who can finish. You know, and I think that, uh, you know, and Frost can make plays sometimes where guys who are not on his his wavelength, you know, which tend to be the really high skill guys, they're not expecting a pass, right? Maybe he's, he, he can find guys who are open. So, 
you know, I, I think it's part process, part result. I, I think that he has room to improve process wise. So I'm, I'm all, I'm all for it, but I'd like to see him work on that playing, playing with more skilled guys. And as for, as for York, that, that, that that's a tough ask playing, you know, as a rookie playing, you playing your offside and, you know, so it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that, I think that in terms of putting players in the best possible position to succeed, you know, you want them, you want them playing with veterans. I think for the most part, when you can. Now the Flyers have been riddled with injuries, so that that's part of it too. You know, in fairness, but I mean, you know, but you'd like to have some veterans who can carry the load a little bit, and these guys fit in around them. And then as their confidence grows over time, they take on bigger roles. You know, I, I asked. Earlier today, Danny Briere had a press conference about his new his new role, and I asked him this because I think for about a four year period, guys, in, in the late 2010s to you know, to about 2020, whenever you would see those national rankings of, of Flyers prospects, you know, and and it was guys like like Craig Button and Bob McKenzie and national publications for about a four year period there, the Flyers are usually in the top three or four. And one year, one year that I think a couple teams. You know, a couple of places they were even number one. So, and if you look at the guys they drafted, most of these guys or many of these guys at the end of their junior careers or right where you wanted them to be at the, the end of the junior careers, right? Um, you know, again, I'll use Frost as the example. You know, he, he was really good in the World Junior Championships the second year. Um, I think he had 103 points after 52 games, so averaging almost two points a game in the OHL. Uh, or, or a guy like a guy like Rackley, 50 goals in the regular season, another 16 in the playoffs. Right where you want guys to be. That, that's an appropriate level of dominance for a guy. You know, you take to the top of the draft and he's ready to turn pro. But for some reason, when these guys have turned pro, and maybe it's injuries, maybe it's just whatever, they haven't. Most of these guys have not developed along that the continuum that you want, that the learning curve. And some guys who seem to have hit another level have either regressed or stagnated. So it's it's been a little frustrating. All right. Absolutely. You know, like you said, you know, there was plenty of places that were ranking us top five, without a doubt, top five, top three, top one in prospect pool. And I think we all had expectations that that was going to happen. We were expecting to see all these guys develop, and we expected this this, this wave of this youth movement to come in. It just hasn't seemed like it's happened at all. And and that leads to having to acquire veteran acquisitions. That, that That's the Ellis move right there, bringing somebody in. That's the Atkinson trade right there. you got, you got to switch stuff up. And, and with the trade deadline coming up – what do you see going on? You already mentioned that the Flyers can be sellers at the trade deadline. Uh, but besides Giroux, besides Claude Giroux, do you see any other moves going down or something you expect to I happen do. at the trade deadline? I do. Uh, I mean, I know I know that Chuck Fletcher has, has said that he would like to re-sign Ristolainen. You know, Rasmus has done the I haven't even thought about a thing yet, which, which means that, yeah, <laughs> which means he's probably interested in testing the market. That's usually what that means, you know. Um, so, you know, and, 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 you know, same for the player, listen, he lost plenty in Buffalo, right? <laughs> and he's only here a year. So I don't, I don't think that he's too interested in being part of a rebuild. So I, I don't see him coming back. I mean, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. You could decide, you know, I really like it. I, I want to commit here for another three or four years. I don't see it though. So he, he's a guy you can move at the deadline. There will be interest. From other teams, he, he's the kind of guy that that um, teams won for playoff series. That big defenseman, physical defenseman. Um, it's he's never going to be a numbers guy. 
You know, he's never going to be a Corsi guy or an expected goals guy. He's just going to be an old-fashioned get-in, hit guys and contribute a little bit up ice too. That, that's what he does. Um, you know, a guy like Broussard, uh, now he came back tonight. Uh, you're not going to get anything great for him, but, but you know, teams are always looking to stock up on veterans. He's, he's so low on the cap that uh, he's probably a guy you could move for a, you know, fifth round pick or something like that towards, towards the latter end of a draft if he's healthy. Um, and, you know, Martin Jones, um, you know, who's been decent enough as, as Hart's backup. The thing, the thing Jones has going for him is he's been to a Stanley Cup final as a starter and he's been to a conference final as a starter when, when he was with San Jose. That carries some value too. So you could probably get a pick for him as well. Uh, I think big moves will wait till after the season. There, other, other than other than Giroux, I mean Giroux, Giroux would be the big move. So you you mentioned the word that um, we at HW uh, like to argue about constantly. So I'll just ask you. You said rebuild. A lot of us don't want to rebuild. A lot of us think there's no choice but to rebuild. Um, what do you what do you think the Flyers should do? Not what they're gonna do. No. And you kind of brought up that like. Yeah, there's a lot of injuries. COVID was a thing. But Jesus, a 10-game losing streak, a 13-game losing streak. Is it even worth it with this squad? Can they stay healthy? Like, can they make those moves? I just feel like that they're perennial losers, like way too often than not. Is it salvageable, or should they really just, in your opinion, because Comcast probably won't let them do it, but in your opinion, should they start over? Well, listen, when – when you do the tear everything down, burn everything down, rebuild, and you're really starting from square one again, you're probably looking at eight to ten years. The, the, the flyers are the flyers are kind of the flyers are. I mean, it's it's the truth. How many times did Edmonton have the first pick of the draft, and they get they get Connor McDavid and they get Drysdale, who've been everything they've been cracked up to be, but they're still in a team around them, right? They're they're still they're still a a bubble team. How many? How long has Buffalo been drafting first or top two, top three? That's what happens when you ah just tear it down. We'll pick first again. I mean, you, you can't do it. You have, you have to you have to see what you have that you can build pieces with. And you know, I, I also think that to do it intelligently, you know, I, I don't I don't really want to because whatever the Flyers would get for Giroux, they could they could get a first round pick for him easily, maybe even two first round picks. But if you're getting it from a team that's going to be picking in the twenties, the late twenties, I don't want that. I'd rather have, I'd rather bring in a young, ready to step in the lineup NHL player with some upside, you know. And and if, you know, and I'd rather have that than a first round pick. So, so you get a guy who actually has a little experience, and if you can do that, then you know that that's one piece of the puzzle. Um, you know, people forget that Couturier uh, had. Had 12 points through the first 10 games of the season. He's not done. He just hasn't been healthy this year. So, you know, a healthy Couturier makes a huge difference on the team. Um, Ellis concerns me just because of his health history. You know, uh, Ellis would have made a big difference this year too. But the problem is, do you really want to go – you want to go in putting your eggs in that basket again without a, without being, a, being able to have – enough around him so that you have a fallback option if he ends up missing a, a much of next season too. Um, you know, I know he's never had this particular injury um, before. He's, he's had a bunch of other stuff. 
but you, you know, but it's just guys who get injured have a tendency to keep getting injured, you know, and that 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 scares me a little bit. Um, you know, having a healthy Faraby for much because Faraby's had two pretty lengthy stints out. Um, you know, he's an up and coming player in the league. Uh, the Carter Hart has actually been a positive this year for the most part. He's really bounced back from, from last year on the whole. So I think there are still some things you can build around. Um, and there, there, then there's some tough decisions to make, you know. Um, do you believe that, uh, that Travis Konechny could get back to his all-star form from two seasons ago? If you don't believe that, then you look to trade him. And and you could, you know, sometimes guys need to change the scenery. I mean, there's there are guys in other teams who have upside, have had good years, you know, good years in the past. So, you know, he has he saw some value. Maybe, you know, maybe not top value, but he has value. Um Sanheim is the guy who's going to be an unrestricted free agent a year from now. Well, rather than getting a situation where, you know, you if you can't can't sign him, you're you can't sign him some kind of extension, you're renting him out somewhere in a year, maybe. You, you consider maybe moving him now. And there there is still some value there. Um, because of the way that he skates, because you know, because when he's on his game, he can he can play at a pretty good level. He just has that in inconsistency that he's never gotten over that hump so that that's why he's not maybe an ideal top end of the blue line guy but a middle of the blue line guy i'm i'm fine with him um so i I think there i think there are pieces there you know you continue to build with and a guy like provorov um you know provorov has been inconsistent the last two years after a really good year in in 2019-20 and before that in, in 17 18 he great years those years um you know uh, it's been a lot about getting him the right partner you know you don't you don't give him away by any means and you're not looking to trade him but if somebody makes you the right trade offer you know you look at it so there, there are pieces you can move and you know some, sometimes it takes just a a couple of moves that, that have you know uh more impact than it might have on paper just just like just like Niskanen coming in a couple of years ago, it didn't sound like a, a really sexy move on paper, but it had it had a big effect on the team. So I, I don't think you have to tear things down from start just just collect a bunch of draft picks, but you have to be smart about it, and you have to be a little bit lucky too. Um, sometimes you sign a guy, you know, you get a guy who's on a value contract, or a young player takes a jump while he's still relatively inexpensive, um, you know, so you you can, he's still affordable on the cap. So that, I mean that that's what the, that's what the better teams tend to do, um, and you just you know it's bad as the season has looked. You don't overreact based on it, but you have but you have you know you have to be honest with yourself too as to who you believe will bounce back, who can be part of the puzzle, you know, and who might be somebody that you move. Uh, and I don't I don't think you you know I, I I don't think that you jump to a conclusion of you know oh well. You're afraid of making a mistake. You have to be bold sometimes too. That's that, that's I guess the, the last thing I would say was that, you know, sometimes sometimes you make a move that uh, you know has some risk to it, and sometimes the risk pays off. You know, and uh, I mean I'll, I'll give I'll give an example from uh, you know from distant past, but when when the Flyers traded Mark Recchi to Montreal, he was coming off of back-to-back hundred-point seasons. 123, and then 100. 123, of course, for the Flyers' single-season record. Um, 
Now, Eric Desjardins was a, was a very nice defenseman for Canadians. He played in an all-star game. Yeah. But John LeClaire was still largely considered a third-line center at the point at that, at that time. And they get Gilbert Dion at the time, who was a, you know, had one had a good rookie year and wasn't doing much. And he didn't pan out here either. Well, you know, but it was a risky trade because you just traded a guy who's a proven hundred point guy for, you know, for a, a solid defenseman who turned out to be more than a solid defenseman, right? He turned out to be one of the best defensemen in franchise history, and the guy who turned out to be a fifty goal winger. But but there was risk there. Now, what if it does? What if it pans down the way where you're trading your best winger? 100-point guy, and Leclerc comes in, and he's a, you know, an 18-goal-a-year guy, kind of like he was in Montreal, and a good defenseman. He just missed the playoffs five straight years, right? So sometimes you have to be bold is what I'm saying, and sometimes it pays off, sometimes it doesn't, but you can't, you, you can't be afraid of making mistakes. You have to, you know, you, ha- you have to trust your gut sometimes, and, and I said sometimes you have to get a little bit lucky, too, when... Uh, when Chicago got Patrick Sharp from the Flyers and then what turned out to be an awful trade for the Flyers, Chicago didn't know what they were getting. And it, it took a year or two beyond that until he really blossomed. You know, and some, sometimes that's how it works out. So I, I, I think that you have to take a deep breath, evaluate what you have, you know, um, really, you know, you have, to, you have to be confident that you have these guys scouted because there will be guys who will take jumps and guys that will – Kind of stagnate or fluctuate slightly, and then and then go go ahead on it. Um, so you know, I, I think it's I think it's maybe too optimistic to say we're going to be, you know, a, a year from now. You know, in a, in a Stanley Cup race just seems so far off right now. But you know, but I also remember, um, you know, I also remember when coming into this game. Like, I, I mean, I remember two thousand six oh seven. And that was just that was a nightmare. That that team was worse than this team, and that that was that they had a bad locker room. They had, I mean, just everything was bad that year. And you know, coming into this game, people were saying was the Flyers' second power play unit the worst you've ever seen the Flyers have. Well, guys, I, I remember I remember the Flyers going in with going in a, a game a stretch of about four games where. Uh, their second unit was R.J. Umberger, who was fine at that time. He was still still a power play guy, but the rest of the power play unit was Ryan Petulny, Stefan Rosicka, uh, Alexei Zitnik, and uh, and Freddie Meyer. Right, this, 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 this is a better group of players. So you know, it can it can always be worse, right? Yeah, I remember that season well too. It was that fan appreciation night and the uh, winning goal we scored on ourselves. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty embarrassing. Yeah, um, you said something that made me. This is where I'm at. You said you have to be honest with yourself, and I agree with everything you said. And it's most likely the route we take. And I, as far as winning sooner rather than later, it's what they got to do. But there are certain players on this team that have been with this team for a long time. That um, once Drew's gone, I mean, if, if they do trade him and he does not come back, I, I, I hopefully Coots is healthy, obviously. But certain guys like how you feel about Connect Me is Provorov a good player? Sure, but is he what I thought he was going to be? Can he still get there? He is so reliant on his partner; it's it's concerning. It's like yeah. I didn't realize it was you know maybe it's more. It's not as uncommon as I realize in the league, but 
wow at the same time. And that's where I kind of give pause. And I'm like, it's they keep adding to this team certain players and the guys that we need to step up. You know, you have injuries. Throw, everybody does. They're not stepping up at all. And it, it's it's getting – you worry about Carter Hart's – as good as he's been playing, half the fans don't even see it. Like, I'm, I'm waiting for you to explode on Twitter with some of these comments. <laughs> like, they just don't see it. I'm like, I, he's – what do you, you do yeah, so much? Yeah, I did a little bit today, and I get unfortunately today wasn't wasn't one of Carter's best days. But you know, I mean, somebody was somebody had commented. It was after the Fabry goal tonight. It was a short sider, and you know, Carter was caught leaning a little bit. It was a bad goal. It just wasn't his night tonight. But he came in tonight with a nine fifteen save percentage, which is actually actually I think tied for sixteenth in the NHL, and, and the only goalie, and one of two goalies in the top 16 who had, who had a losing record, you know. Um, and if you look at some of the goals this team has given up, you know, it's probably cost them about 1% off the save percentage overall. You, you get over 920, which it really, really, really would be with a better team in front of them, that's a really top-end goalie. Don't, you know, Carter Hart is the least of the Flyers' problems. Um, so... You know, it, it, I, I I went off on that a little bit today because just like, you know, I, I get it's frustrating. It was a frustrating game. Don't worry about Carter Hart. He's fine. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it, I, I mean, I get it. Uh, you know, you, you lash out in different directions and the goalie didn't have a good night that night. Then it's, you know, it's just, it's just the nature of the beast. Right. But it's, uh, you know, it, it's just, I guess, I guess is the way it goes. Yeah, I mean, he was under siege tonight. I mean, he did, definitely had some softies. Um, I didn't like Sealer. I think it was the first goal. It looked like he sold out to block the shot, which kind of Hart was there. And then the guy got the rebound and just went right around him. Like, it was just him and Hart. Yeah, very questionable uh, decision-making on Sealer's part there. Yeah, and, and where, and where was the end on that play? Because he was, he, was he was up high in the defensive zone. You know, there was yeah, only yeah, one defenseman was, down low. So I mean, it was it was just a mess. There was there was no coverage down low, and that that's that's hanging your goalie out to dry. That one was, certainly wasn't on Hart, you know. And then, you know, and then there was well, the first one deflected in off of Provorov. That's going to happen sometimes. It was, it was initially credited to Bertuzzi, but it actually went in off of Provorov. You know, it deflects off your defenseman. There's nothing you can do about it. So, you know, it, it, there were there were two that he'd like back. The five hole goal by Smith in the third period. And that was kind of a killer because you were down by one, and now you're down by two again. Again, it just it just wasn't his night tonight. But but in gen in general, he's been fine. So I, I think people don't see it because they they look at his record, they look at the team's record. But I, I think people that are really paying attention know that you know he, he's one of the team's strengths, and there haven't been a ton of positives this year. Him bouncing back this year has been one of the big positives. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that one. And if, if I am on the rebuild train, I'm not trading hard. Franchise goalies don't come around, you know, especially in Philly. So yeah, he's the piece that I for sure don't don't give up. Don't yeah, give up. Hart's absolutely sticking around. He's been a great spot this year. Flyers have given up on average 34.4 shots against the game. Like it's hard to put up any decent numbers when you're facing that many shots per game. Yeah, it, it's been strange, you know, guys, because. I don't, and I don't know where it went. Where two seasons ago, the Flyers were the stingiest team in the NHL. No, no team allowed fewer shots on goal per game than the Flyers two seasons ago. And then last year, they, would, they literally went from first to worst. How does that happen? 
I, I, I mean, mean, mitigating factors, Niskanen, it's crazy. It's like, yeah. that. was that really what it was? Yeah. Like, it, it wasn't wow. just him. Yeah, it wasn't just him. <laughs> I mean, it was more than that, too. It was, you know, Kevin Hayes was healthy and had a really good year two years ago. He has not been a healthy player in two seasons. That That's factored into it, too, you know. Um, I mean, it, it, it's a lot of things, but it's, uh, you know. And, you know, in terms of Provorov, I just want to touch on that real fast. You know, it, it's funny because he's been partner dependent, to, I guess, to a degree for a couple of years. But, you know, the first couple of weeks when Braun moved up, he was still fine. You know, the, the first the first few weeks, it, it was like it was like almost a month into the season that he was out out for his first even strength goal against. And you know, so when the Flyers got off the quick start this year, Provorov wasn't putting up a lot of points, but defensively he was playing great. And that was, you know, and then Braun was playing a little over his head too. It's both halves of a pair. But and also, if you look back before that, you know, how did how did he succeed with Andrew McDonald's as his partner, right? He had, he had success with McDonald even so I, I don't think I don't think he's ugh, I don't think he's totally partner dependent I I think he puts a lot on himself and sometimes in trying to do too much you know he he makes more mistakes I mean that you, you see that you see that quite a bit and and a lot of teams that underachieve you know and is he is he a true number one defenseman I mean if you mean is, is he a Nars Trophy kind of Victor Hedman kind of defenseman no he's not. He has he hasn't developed that way, but is he a guy who can go out every night play twenty two minutes a night, you know, um, play in different situations if you need him to? I mean, I don't. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of him as a regular power play guy, at least on, on the first unit. But you know, but he can. He he can score some goals at least. Um, so you know, he's a good player. Um, I don't I don't think he's a problem. But by the same token, a you know, again, you, you can't be you can't be afraid. You, you the, it costs you nothing to listen, right? And uh, teams, I mean, what tends to happen is when teams are in a bad place, everyone wants to do you a favor. That's when you hang up on the phone. But you you know, but if you can get a deal that makes sense for you, that you can you know, you feel it can help your own hockey team, then, then you think about it. You you know you you don't get so tied into this guy is untouchable when. You know, Wayne Gretzky himself got traded, right? So every everybody should be available in the right situation. Yeah, there is no untouchable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you you mentioned some guys, Bill, that, you know, Konechny, Sanheim, Provorov. We just came back to it. Do you think there's any kind of blockbuster deal being made at the deadline here? A Konechny, Provorov, maybe 2022 first-round pick package for an immediate, like, superstar-level player at this deadline to – Really jumpstart the retool, rebuild, restart, whatever you want to call it. I, I honestly, I think that's going to have more of those things that happen in the off season. You know, I, I think those you now, you know, Giroud, Giroud to me would be the, the big move. And I mean, honestly, again, this is this is just being honest with ourselves. I coming into the year, my thought is okay as long as the season goes decently. You know, then it's a question of finding a cap hit and a term. For Giroud to finish his career here, you know, now at this point, you know, what is what does he have to hang around here for? And he's certainly, certainly not to take a not to take a hometown discount, right? He he's he's been through he's been through enough of retooling and the rest of that too. So, you know, I mean, he's he's going to want to try to win. And and if he were looking at extension, it probably would have happened by now. So, 
I would actually be, you know, as much as you hate to see it after all those years here and all the accolades he's had and all that, you know, it is special to play your call career in one city. But I, I would actually, you know, be surprised at this point if, if he's here at the end of the year. So, you know, and even even the teammates' reaction when he came back from the, the All-Star break was almost like, you know, almost like resigned to the fact that, you know, he's, he's nearing the end of his time here. Um, and once he's out the door, I don't see him resigning. You know, he, uh, he, it's just it's just it's just the way it is. Again, that, that's just reality. Um, off season, I think they're going to try to I mean, for now to make a right deal for Giroux, especially because he's unrestricted after this year. The Flyers could eat cap hit on him. So they, they could eat up to half of his cap hit and make a deal and then get some value back too. Um, you know, I, I'd like to see a again, I'd like to see a young NHL player with upside who's actually had a little bit of success in the league, you know, uh, be what comes back. Um, and then after the season you, you try to create additional cap space. So, you know, I could see James Van Reems like potentially being a buyout candidate, for example. Um, you know, then then you save two-thirds of his cap hit. Now, now there's a cap hit a year beyond it. You know, that's, that's the downside of a buyout. But that would that would create more cap space. If Rissa Lyon does move, that's cap space. So they'll have they'll have space to make moves. Uh, plus the cap ceiling will go up a million. Um, you just – but you don't – you know, it's hard. You can't just buy your way out of it. You have to make the right combination of moves. So I think it's a combination of, you know, one big free agent signing, some intelligent trades – um, obviously drafting well and then hopefully getting some of these young players who seem kind of stagnated, getting some of those guys moving. And then, you know, then maybe a year from now we're having a different discussion about do you add something for a playoff run? Um, you know, but uh, but I don't, you know, they're, they're not an immediate cup contender. I mean, that's, again, that, that's just reality. Um, well, what they did, what they did at, you know, they did back in 06, 07 is very, very, very rare. You don't see teams do that almost ever. So, you know, so uh, it's really just a question of getting on the right track first and then seeing where you, where you can take it. Yeah, I, I hope that's another busy offseason and it all starts with the trade deadline. Just getting assets, just, just trading players for picks on expiring deals just so you have those assets to either draft or move. You know, if, if I agree with you about Giroux getting a, you know, the, obviously everybody, if it's Colorado, everybody wants new hook. I, I don't know if that's realistic or not, or a Yost, if it's a step down and whatnot. But um, other than other, all the other players, you know, draft picks, just the line in draft picks. And maybe, maybe they can in for trades because I think they are going to make at least, you heard Danny Briere today. He agrees yeah. with Fletcher, high end talent. You know, so I'm assuming they're going to sign somebody. And there's a couple oh, of yeah, guys I, out there. Yeah, there. and you look you look at who's out there this summer, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they definitely need they definitely need another they definitely need another first or second line caliber you know, line caliber center, uh, whether that's Forsberg or whether that that's Hurdle. You know, I mean, they're, neither guy neither guy would come cheaply, right. and uh, and the name that is going to I guess that's going to be around here all off season once he resigns in Calgary it's going to be Goudreau. Being, being a South Jersey kid whose family are Flyers fans, he wouldn't, you know. 
but I don't I don't know that Johnny Goudreau would be the right piece to add. I'd, I'd rather add a center. I, mean, I, think, I, think a, I think a scoring winger is nice too, and also another need they have. But I think the need starts in the middle first. So I, I don't want to sign another expensive winger from South Jersey to this team. <laughs> I don't I don't want to do it again. <laughs> JVR. Yeah. 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 I, I, I'm good. I, I, we don't need to do that part, so I'm good. We, we can skip that. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, high end, high end wingers are expensive wingers, rather, have definitely hurt us in the past. Um, I mean, is there any, just to answer this question here by Ant Mayo, if Toronto and Edmonton fail to win around in the playoff again, um, are they two teams we can trade high end talent for? And the two names that really come to mind are Mitch Marner or, um, Oh Jesus, I'm, I'm blanking. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl. In any world, is there any block, off-season blockbuster where you can see the Flyers trying to acquire one of those guys? Uh, I, I don't think you touch Dreisaitl no matter what. I don't. I don't, I don't you know, I, I think every, I think everything Edmonton, McDavid, and Dreisaitl, and putting pieces around those two guys. You know, with, with uh, Toronto, you know they have so much of their cap tied up in four players, right? That uh, you know and. Obviously, Matthews is their franchise guy, and they tied up so so much money in Tavares, and you know Marner's actually, you know Marner's actually, I guess their number two or three guy, or however you want to number it, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe it's an outside chance, but I mean it's, uh, you know, but I think it'll, I think it'll be talked about internally, and that that would be a guy who that would be his chance to be the guy somewhere too, so. You know, right? It's it's not impossible. I don't think it's likely, but I don't think it's impossible. I'll take it. It's something. What, what, what about like a tear down? Somebody like a William Nylander or a Morgan Riley? Does either one of those move the needle for you, Bill? I, I yeah, and I think that, that that would be more realistic. I got a guy like Nylander. And listen, he's not gonna. You know, I like Nylander. Very, you know, very skilled player, very good hockey player. Um, you know. He could come in and, and certainly help a team. You know, is he going to be? You know, is, is he going to be your? Is he going to move the needle that much by himself? Probably not. But he helps. He's still reasonably young. You know, I, I, when you add other pieces around it, then you know, then the team takes on a different look. So, yeah, I, I think that would be a more realistic way to go. I think you also would have to just temper your expectations a little bit too, as to how much individual difference a guy like that would make i mean that's what we're hoping for i mean I, they've been on the uh Nylander train for a while i don't there's something with him and I, the gm up there said he wouldn't trade him and whatever and i don't know what's true and what's not but yeah anybody from toronto would move the needle for me at this <laughs> point on offense um, wasn't Mitch Martin, isn't he making like 10.9 million a year or something yes. crazy? And he's a yeah. winger, which we just discussed high. However, yeah. he is a talent to behold. But he so. can, yeah, he, he can, I mean, he, he's a magician with the puck. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, so. so. I mean, for me, I guess anything's better than, you know, what we're doing. So I, I'm curious to see what they do. Um, just. I know that's the direction they're going to go. There isn't going to be a full rebuild. As much issues as we've had with the way the rebuild has went, with all the hate Hextall gets, most of it rightfully so. Uh, you know, I don't know how I, much I trust the development of the organization at this point. Anyway, even if they yeah. Fletcher's making picks, I don't. I just haven't. Everybody, in my opinion, except for maybe Farabee, I guess, at, to this point in heart, uh, has really underachieved where I thought they'd be. 
like why serious no. questions about them all. You know, Konechny was a I don't even know how much I trust him to create his all his own offense anymore. You know, he seems very complimentary, which can be work, but like not what we expected of him. And we already talked about Proveroff and other such players and whatnot. And then there's just flat out health at that point. But um, I'm you know, just more of the same. Another another wonderful night at the Wells <laughs> Wells Fargo Center. <laughs> um, Dave, got anything else? No, I think we're getting up, pushing close to an hour now. Uh, Bill, any final thoughts? Anything you want to put out there? Anything like that? Well, I, yeah, the only thing I'll say is that, you know, you having been through a, a couple of these, unfortunately, you know, and, and it, it's much easier and much more fun to be on the other side of it, you know, when, uh, <laughs> when you know, like like two seasons ago, I, you know, like I, I, I never would have thought, I never would have thought even a year ago when the Flyers were winning out of the gates and they were they weren't playing to their capabilities but they were winning you know i never thought it would get to where it is right you know when i think they were what like i don't know i don't know what it was but they were in february a year ago this time a year ago uh you know 11 8 and 4 whatever it was i mean they, they had a they had a winning record and they you know and i i never would have expected to go south but things things can turn the other way sometimes too it's not it, it's you know there's it's not magic, <laughs> and then again, there's there's a lot of a lot of hard decisions and some luck that's involved too. You know, keep the faith to, to a degree here because you know it's really it's it's not as bad as it seems sometimes. It's <laughs> it's uh, you know, and it you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, again, it's it's not easy, and the Flyers are in a tough division, and they have a lot of teams to catch up to. Oof. So that's uh, you know, there's there a lot of teams that that uh, have built a core, even even a team like Jersey that has. Hasn't taken off. They're another team that's at the, the top of the draft a lot, and they're going to miss the playoffs again this year, you know. But they they seem to be trending the right way, and they do have some high end guys. So the Flyers have a lot of work here. But I mean, it, it's it's not impossible. It's not impossible to do whether it's you know, whether it's over a couple of years or whatever. But uh, yeah, I just I just don't think blow it up is the way to go. That, uh, that, that, that's been the unofficial slogan for, you know, I feel like a decade and a half now, just keep the faith. No. Yeah. But I mean, it, it, it's a little, it's a little different because it's, uh, I, I, I think it was keep the faith in the guys that are already in house. And, and I think now it's more like, uh, you know, evaluate, make some tough decisions and, uh, you know, just, just believe that it, just believe that there is a, there's a, better result on the other side if you if you do if you do things the right way I, I don't think it's just blind faith i think it's it's a question of a belief and knowing the way hockey history goes the way cycles go in hockey that uh things things have a way of changing quickly whether for better or for or worse that, that's the point I, like I guess i guess that's where i'm at instead of just blow it up maybe i'll just put my faith elsewhere for now <laughs> yeah. the best. Yeah. uh one last question from the comments here bill uh do you still like line A? And if so, what do you think the cost is to get him here? Not, not a line A guy. Um, not a line A guy. Not a line A guy. No, I, I you know, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not a fan of players who generally where you, you don't know what you're going to get on a given night from them. You know, if he's, if he's not scoring, he's not helping you. And, you know, if you, if you play him with a, he's, he's playing with four check, right? So he has a high-end playmaker in his line, and he'll score goals. He's not having a bad year, but line eight of me is a guy who, to be really, really worth 
it's you know he's got to be a forty goal guy or close to it every year, and some years above that. And I don't know if he's ever going to be that. And there's a lot of drawbacks to him in your lineup. You know, for one thing, he'll one thing you know he he won't back check right, and uh, you know, and and they're just there's just and there are times he's going to take shifts, sometimes entire nights off, and you know, I I think I think I've seen a little too much of taking shifts and nights off. So I I don't I don't I don't he he wouldn't be a player that I would personally target. Um, now if I had a team where all I needed was a, a sniper and I had high end guys around him and I I could live with a kind of defensive liability guy and you know we just need a power play guy to shoot one timers and that 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 would be the final piece. Then yeah, but I don't I don't think the Flyers would be that team personally. Right. Yep. Just another high high price winger that needs to produce goals because that worked so well for us before. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I loved Line when he first came out, but I totally understand where you're coming from. And uh, yeah, I agree with the 40 goals is a good number that he'd need to teeter around to really be worth everything else. So, and with all the needs we have, yeah, that money's well spent elsewhere, in my he, in our opinion. Yeah, I think he's more of a luxury. Uh, so, uh, Jack, you got anything else, man? No, that was it. I stole that one from the chat. Uh, I'm all I'm on good here. Bill, thank you so much for hanging out with us. We really appreciate it, man. Uh, my pleasure, guys. Yeah. Hi, wife, family. For uh, Jack, Bill Meltzer, I'm the real Delco Dave. You guys have a good night. Take care, everybody. <laughs>